both as an investor and now, um, sheesh, I can't even believe that the company has acquired $300 million worth of real estate in the last five years. It's really unbelievable. I can't believe that we buy 87 last year and we'll probably buy over $100 million worth of real estate. This I was going to say, last year you guys just crushed it. I mean, it was really impressive to see that that transition of just going all out. So, so uh, Stephen, would you mind making me a moderator? Because I want to bring some of these people up on stage here. Uh, yeah, do you know how to do that? Uh, you should have the option since you actually created the room. What's up, Dan? What's up, Brandon? Hey, Paul, welcome to the room. All right, I'm now a moderator. Okay. And so um, let's see here. So then I click on Paul. I invited Paul to speak. Paul, you guys, if you don't know who Paul Hakim is, he is a legend <laughs> in the commercial real estate business. He's a big And deal. he has no clue that we just sucked him into Clubhouse <laughs> and that it is so addictive. Um, and honestly, it's worth it because the amount of value that I have personally learned just by being a speaker or being you know, a listener has just been exponential. And so um, let's bring up Dan. You want to come on up here? Hang on, let's see if I, can I also you. think it's important to really quickly touch on the power of this app for a couple of reasons. I think, you know, one, it's different, but two, I think it's important for people to start spending more time in there because you can actually become, we'll just say, quote unquote, more of an influencer or gain a bigger following a lot quicker than if you try to do this on Instagram or Facebook or any of the other ones because it's not overly crowded yet. So you can still be the master of like, you know, commercial real estate syndication. There's no, you know, you can be like the Grant Cardone of this app still. It is still, it is definitely still very raw. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's just been, it's actually been a game changer. I, I've already met, met so many people just by, you know, speaking on here. It kind of feels like, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you've been to ICSC, but in the hallways of ICSC is just a million of random people. And you bump into people and you say what you do, they say what they do, and then you know, you're networking, you're learning from each other. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Paul, you want to, um, you know, on, on the bottom right is, your, is a little microphone. Oh, yeah, I figured it out. Oh. Hey, everybody, how are you? Hey, Paul. Paul Hakeem. What's hey, going why on? Why don't you uh, share a little bit about, you know, you're brand new. Tell us a little bit about you and, and the commercial real estate business. Uh, the commercial real estate business has been good. I've been trying to keep up with you guys uh, on the acquisition front. Uh, I was able to uh, take down four properties in the last 14 months, even through COVID. Uh, did that in a few different forms besides syndicating. Uh, but, uh, you know, things have been really good. Uh, and, you know, good deals will always get the money. Um, as you guys are finding out uh, in your successes here. So, what, again, uh, what you guys buy? congratulations on a great 2020, by the way. Honestly, thank you. It's It's been a blessing for sure. And to an extent, I really feel like we're just getting started. It's been so much fun. What did what, yes. you buy, Paul? Uh, so, actually, uh, we bought a uh, – the first acquisition was a 15,000-square-foot office building. Uh, we closed on – uh, December 28th or 29th of uh, 19. 
I rolled in uh, a tenant. I had Kel- Walker, Kel- local Keller Williams uh, franchisee come in to 7,500 square feet uh, and then put a orthodontist in the other 7,500 square feet, had those leases signed before I closed on the asset uh, with uh, 80% owner financing uh, and then a small 1031 on my part. Uh, then we closed on a six-building campus uh, in Kingston, New York. Uh, large commercial building, metal building. Uh, used to be a farm, big barn, uh, little uh, processing building, commercial building. Uh, Two-family, a three-family, and a single-family on that campus. Um, then we uh, took down a 105,000-square-foot industrial building in Greenville. Uh, we were down there, shook hands on that deal beginning of March. Uh, then, uh, COVID started to set in. Uh, we were actually in Greenville toward the property right before the society of exchange counselors meeting, uh, in Greenville last March, uh, which was canceled. Uh, so we were driving home and I was typing up the, uh, LOI to the seller, uh, to submit it and was afraid we were not going to be able to perform. Uh, started hearing things about, you know, COVID, uh, things were really starting to lock down early up here in the Northeast. Um, so I called the seller and said, Hey, I'm going to put a extended closing period in here and let's try to work on some text for a COVID clause. And he said, well, I was going to call you because I'm flipping this property to you and i haven't owned it long enough i'm going to be uh, taxed as short-term gains ordinary income as opposed to long-term capital gains so we ended up negotiating and i put a hundred thousand dollars down on the million seven asset and i have a master lease uh i got six months no lease payments uh the building was vacant uh, and we structured the lease payments at a 4% as if it were a 4% interest only loan on the balance minus the 100,000 that I owe him when we do close. I can extend that 18 month master lease for 12 months by giving him uh, another $100,000 down, uh, which is hard. Um, But we just moved in our uh, third 20,000 square foot tenant and are very close to signing another 20,000 square foot lease. So we'll be at 80% occupancy. Um, what's cool on that is we put a hundred thousand down. My payment is $6,200 a month and we're well over 20,000 a month, uh, in net income. So, um, wow. that's a good amazing. formula and we're going to wait uh, a little while and we're going to see, uh, you know, if we can, put two and a half million dollars worth of financing on it when we, when we purchase it, which would be pretty cool. Unbelievable. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. Very yeah. cool. So how many, how many deals like this have you done before, like in your career? Uh, that type of deal with the master lease I've done four of in probably the last 10 years. Uh, that's a great vehicle, uh, because you can pro- provide benefits, a lot of benefits to the seller. In this instance, uh, we've got a high net worth individual, was astute enough to know he was going to have ordinary income as opposed to long-term capital gains. Um, But, you know, right now, a lot of sellers are facing 
the issue of if I buy your building for two million bucks, what are, where are you going to go with it? You know, there, there's uh, besides going into syndications. You know, if you're a one-off real estate investor or don't know to find Ben Koga to make an investment, <laughs> um, you, uh, you 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 really have trouble placing capital these days. And that's um, finding a lot of my family office clients, um, as well as you know larger investors don't know what to do with their money. Uh, you know, stock market's a roller coaster, um, but uh, there's not that many good real estate opportunities available. Well, sorry, I'm not sorry, but if you um, <laughs> come on Clubhouse, you're gonna find that uh, there's really a lot of people sharing stories like the one that you're doing. I wanna get to uh, Dan K here in a second, but also I wanna invite anybody in the audience that wants to come up as a speaker to just go ahead and raise your hand. This is the first time we've done this room, this uh, commercial real estate syndication, non-multifamily, because there are just so many people talking about multifamily syndication, and yeah. that's just not what we do. Yeah. And there's a whole other world in, in the commercial space. And so the you know the, the idea here is like, let's network, let's share the wisdom that we've learned, let's allow people to ask questions, let's learn from each other, and then, um, you know, if this works out well, then we'll, we'll, we'll make this a more regular meeting. Um, my intention is that this is just for, I only have an hour, so we're, we're going to end this uh, in 50 minutes, but you know, if some, if people want to stick around longer, we're welcome to, yeah. but, um, yeah, Steven and then Dan, how about that? Sure. Okay. Dan, go ahead. Dan K is a good friend of mine. He is here in Austin. Why don't you tell us, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and yeah. Sure. Hey, y'all. Uh, Dan Krasinowski, uh, originally from the Northeast, already 10 years here in Texas. Um, I've had the benefit to serve as a capital raiser, equity owner, and LP investor, uh, primarily in self-storage, but other niches, uh, such as, you know, I like to call Rust Belt retail infrastructure, uh, you know, of course, some hard money loans on the side. And, you know, as I look forward, I... I love Ben's thought. Multifamily is so busy, uh, and there's not much to really differentiate. So that's not a sandbox I really would want to play in anyways, even if it was my natural interest. Uh, what I think, and Paul, I think there's a lot of great deals out there. And, you know, whether it's a family office and an accredited investor, I if you think of a barbell, so, you know, I, I don't go to the gym too much, but a lot of folks here, you know, what is kind of going to be big and sexy? Uh, big and sexy on one side, and then what's going to be uh, kind of tried and true, you know, essentially risk-free on the other side. And those are, I think, are the two types of offerings that make things uh, really attractive and helps you get to yes with almost any investor, whether they're, you know, strictly looking for yield or they're more of a high growth. So, you know, and I'll, I would love to hear more from the other speakers, but, you know, just giving two examples, um, you know, of course, I, I'll always be in love with self-storage. I consider that, you know, high IRR sort of deal. And then the flip side is just, you know, what's something that has been COVID resistant, um, Amazon resistant. Uh, and I think you get stuff like, you know, Ben focuses on, on you know, a pharmacy, uh, a, a small retail project, I think is really attractive. I also like things uh, on the industrial side. Uh, so for those of us here in Austin, think what's on Research Boulevard, or in most cities, they kind of have a research corridor. Uh, these are really solid invested. These are these tenants' headquarters. They're cash flowing. They're on 10-year triple net leases. Um, you know, effectively, from an investor's point of view, it's a bond wrapped in real estate. And, uh, 
as I said, I, I think it's a really solid way just to also gain trust having one of these sort of offerings right off the bat with an investor. So great to be with you all today. What do you think Thanks. the future is going to be for Austin? Like, what do you foresee coming up? Yeah, I mean, in terms of some of the aforementioned uh, property types, obviously self-storage is great. I mean, people are moving here. Uh, it's tough to rent out a big space, um, you know, even if you are staying in a multifamily or renter. So that's really attractive. I think from a, you know, there's a lot of talk about tech people are never going to go in the office. I, I, I don't fully buy into that, but I do think your typical, um, you know, somebody that makes a widget has a headquarters of 100 uh, plus a bit more with the Texas mindset, um, people are going to be back in the office really soon and want to do stuff and have that home base. So, you know, I, I also think anybody that is anywhere along the supply chain from making it to storing it, uh, you know, in the outskirts, not in downtown MSA, but there's going to be, um, you know, opportunities, uh, you know, either to purchase there and improve or to build stuff on, on the plots of land that surround the city. Thanks, Dan. Awesome that you're here. Uh, Daniel Schwartz, brother, thank welcome to uh, Commercial Estate Syndication. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? But before we do that, just um, everybody uh, in Adapia, we're going to get to you next. Um, go ahead and hit that little plus button on the bottom right to invite anybody in your network. Follow everybody else because that's how you figure out, uh, you know, the the other rooms, the other topics that you want to learn about. That's that's really the key to this clubhouse room. So look around the room, follow each other, and uh, yeah, uh, Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself? yourself and say whatever you want to say hey guys ben thanks for pulling me up on stage uh my name is daniel schwartz i'm out of uh westchester new york uh but i mainly look for properties like a lot of people here uh in the uh southeast or the south um i'm much closer to the beginning of my journey than someone like ben um but uh just for the purpose of uh of uh, conversation's sake, Ben or anybody else up here uh, that has input, um, I know uh, we've been in a lot of rooms with a lot of these multifamily investors and or syndicators. And Ben, uh, I know for the most part what your your formulas are, but if you're looking at a space maybe that's not retail, um, maybe an office or an industrial space, and you're looking to syndicate. What's the difference between asset classes and, and, you know, do you look for a different credit rating in an industrial tenant than you would an office or a retail tenant or, or is your formula pretty much the same across all asset classes? Great, great question, Dan. Yeah, for us, uh, it's pretty much the same across retail, office and industrial properties. The, the thesis being that if we buy real estate that's occupied by high credit tenant, with a long-term lease as our as our as our primary you know flow of cash flow, there sometimes is non-credit tenants that come along with it. But as long as we have that stability with the credit and the long-term lease, and if we're buying it near near a ten cap, then and then that's where we start. That's where we start the search, um, and then uh, then we ask the other typical DD question: Is this a good location? Is the rent high? Is the rent low? Uh, what's the, you know, condition of the building, what's the traffic counts, you know, all those typical commercial real estate DD questions that you want to ask. Um, 
but yeah, in, in today's market, I mean, I think industrial is a very hot subject, as, as Dan was chatting about, which makes makes it a lot more competitive, right? Um, and what we're seeing is a lot of opportunities. We think there's a massive market disconnect in the suburban office space and the office buildings right now. And so we're aggressively pursuing opportunities in those deals. Still, still the same fundamental principle, high credit tenant, long-term lease. But in the suburbs, you know, we think that offers an opportunity for people to have office space where generally speaking is cheaper than in the CBD areas. Also, you can get your employees in on ground floor, maybe the second floor and not have to put everybody up and down this big elevator and all that kind of stuff. And then just, you know, some people, uh, you know, are, are scared of office space, you know, for, 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 for good reason. Uh, but we, we happen to think that people will eventually come back to the office. And therefore, now in this moment in time, given that we're long-term investors, we think that you know, now is a really good time to be buying uh, suburban yeah, office buildings. I agree with that. So thanks for that. Uh, Adapia, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks for having me on stage. Hi, everyone. Uh, nice to see some familiar faces. Um, so my name is Adapia. I am... Um, a principal and VP of strategy over Alpha Investing. Uh, we are a private equity firm. We syndicate into multifamily affordable housing and also senior living. Um, so, you know, we're writing around one to $5 million checks these days, ever and ever bigger checks and uh, more and more the only LP equity in deals. So, you know, this is a non multifamily. So, um, you know, one of the asset classes we're very focused on is the senior housing um, asset class. So if anybody has any questions or is interested in sort of, a, uh, of an overview on that, uh, let me know. Um, it is, you know, I'll say this, because this is one of the biggest questions we get is, you know, what happened during COVID, <laughs> um, of course, because, uh, you know, obviously the seniors were the ones that are the most at risk. And it's true that there are, there are many senior living facilities that had outbreaks. And at least in our portfolio, we had none. So that is both fortunate and a testament to the sponsor. Um, and, you know, in the space, since we work with sponsors that are operating at at least half a billion or more of assets under management, um, there's a lot of mom and pop um, operators in the space who often, you know, they can't uh, really operate at full capacity, get the economies of scale. Um, and so we work with a sponsor whose strategy is to come in and pick those up and bring them back up to full operation. So you're seeing higher returns on those than a multifamily, but also that comes with higher risk, especially these days. So for example, in COVID, what we saw was a lot of added expenses for PPE and also, you know, ensuring that the residents and the workers were okay, that they could you know, as close to thrive as possible, given the circumstances. So, um, you know, really taking care of the residents is um, an important part of that business plan. Um, and, you know, we didn't have any outbreaks in ours. And so we are not seeing as high of uh, distributions, obviously, that was really hard to underwrite for um, for a pandemic. Um, so there's some short-term pressure in general in the space, but 
mid to long term, the numbers in this outside class are undeniable. 10,000 people turn 65 every single day. That's accelerating. And, um, you know, just the way generationally people live these days, there's just a greater and greater need um, on a going forward basis. So very interesting asset class that we really like. Awesome. Thanks so much, Adapia. Uh, by the way, everybody needs to follow each other. Adapia and I are in the uh, Next Level Mastermind group together, and uh, she is also an author, uh, and just she's just uh, just wisdom, just pouring wisdom. So you're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, Ronnie, you're up next, brother. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Great, man. I, I really uh, have learned a lot from you through Clubhouse, so thanks for being in the room with us. Thanks for creating a non-multifamily syndication room. I appreciate it. So um, quick background about myself. Um, I'm with the Kingley Group, CEO and founder. We're a real estate private equity firm based in Dallas, Texas. We focus on large A&B multifamily uh, in the Sunbelt region. Currently have 572 units in San Antonio and Atlanta. And uh, looking to learn more on the other asset classes because uh, I'm interested in more of what you do, Ben, and, and others in the room. So thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, and if anybody in the audience wants to come up, just uh, hit that little button, raise raise your hand, and uh, we'd love to invite more speakers. Paul, we have, we already had you speak, so let's just go ahead and speak, uh, go over to Dalee. Dalee and I had breakfast this morning, and uh, she is amazing. She's just crushing it here in Austin. And uh, yeah, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? And yeah, I am happy to. And yes, I had a wonderful breakfast with Ben. So I got a lesson about syndication uh, this morning before I came into this room to learn even more. My name is Delee Becker. I am in Austin, Texas. Uh, I own a small commercial brokerage, and I also buy office and retail properties um, now across Texas. I used to center them in Austin, but the prices are crazy. So in addition, I own a civil construction company, and that is where we make our money that we go buy buildings. Um, I have never done syndication um, I always, uh, if I, I maybe have one partner and we just buy it straight up. And my concern has always been the 1031 issue. But Ben taught me this morning that let's say I sell a building and I need to 1031 into one. I can 1031 into one of his syndications and keep my uh, LLC on the title. And then whenever they sell that syndication, I can go on separately in 1031 again, which was uh, mind-blowing or mind-opening, if you will. It gave me another, um, as we said at breakfast, another shell for my shotgun. So that is very exciting, and I'm, in, I'm happy to be here and learn more from all of you. Thank you That's so awesome. much. I Thank want to so uh, introduce Brandon. Brandon is really intelligent. He has a really interesting story. Brandon, I don't know if you want to uh, talk a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi, hi. Thanks for having me up uh, here to speak for a few minutes. Um, yeah, so we've been actually uh, working on um, connecting people with uh, investors like yourselves um, with uh, areas more in the space of RV parks, mobile homes, things like that. So I have some people that we're working with to do development on those. 
And then also we're working on some farming of leads for, you know, people that are looking for storage units, um, RV parts, bubble homes, things of that nature. So it's good to connect with you guys again. Thank you. Hey, Paul, maybe you can chime in here and tell everybody a little bit about what you guys and, and Nick have been doing with uh, mobile home parks. Uh, so that is predominantly my son, Nicholas, and his partner. Uh, they are syndicating mobile home parks. Uh, they have uh, taken down five uh, in the last 16 months. Uh, the most recent one was in Huntsville, Alabama, 480 units, you know, really nice stabilized property. Uh, they've got a pretty robust, uh, pipeline, uh, that they are pursuing. I know they've got two in contract and doing financial diligence on them now. Um, but, uh, the, you know, they're open to any leads anybody's got on mobile home parks nationally. Uh, they prefer over 100 units, and uh, they are value-add investors. What what kind of returns, you know, should someone expect in that niche? Uh, well, there is a lot of cap rate compression there right now because there's a lot of institutional money going after the larger stabilized parks. Uh, the park that they just closed in Huntsville, uh, there was very little value add it was very stabilized but they did see some room uh and they are going to be able to increase uh the lot rents uh over a couple year period through attrition and uh, lease renewals uh but they went into that was a believe a 7.2 cap on that deal and seeing that we're in the non-multifamily commercial real estate syndicating room Maybe anybody else has an opinion on it, but it just seems like the cap rate compression in multifamily is just, it's not worth it. Why, why bother buying something for five, six cap, you know, when you can buy other asset classes like mobile home parks or commercial or other than that. Um, so yeah, does anybody have any thoughts on what you're seeing in the market uh, regarding that? Not, not that I'm trying to talk shit on multifamily. It's just as a comparison. And so, um, my general thesis is that it's just not worth it. I mean, there's just <laughs> too much compression in the multifamily space. Anybody want to chime in? Yeah. Paul? So Ben, I, I'd say that you're going to see, you know, that cap rate compression is risk adjusted. Okay. Because you've got, uh, in a lot of markets, less risk in the multifamily, uh, and diversity in the income. Uh, so the cap rate may be a little bit more solid, you know, when you're seeing a little more risk or tenant volatility, that's where you're going to see the, the higher cap rate. So there's definitely a direct correlation. Um, but you know, I, I, I like real, you know, I, I personally do real value add. So we, you know, we look for the, you know, current eight cap, you know, that, you know, we can turn into, uh, you know, 20 plus or more cash on cash. Nice. Thanks. Well, let's, um, let's introduce, uh, Ellie, welcome to, uh, to the room. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? And then, um, before you do that, just, um, remind everybody, uh, let me just say three things that I needed to know when I first got on. Number one, that little party hat that's on your photo, that's going to stay there for a week. 